that was my biggest thing. I was very impatient. And I feel like that led to the opiate use too, Mm. is that I, it kind of numbed and blocked all of that out. And it was a quick fix and it was getting me what I need right now when everything else in life, like college, four years, what? I don't wanna, that's gonna take forever. And then it's like, I'd try and then I'd drop out. So it's like I would reach for the stars with certain things, but I never achieved it. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast. If you're looking to hear stories of hope, inspiration, and turning your greatest adversities into your advantage, well, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Jason Lachance, and through my addiction recovery and struggles with anxiety and depression, I dug into my passion of speaking with people who have transformed their lives. And my guest is Cherie Ashley. She's the founder of Bright Future Recovery. She's also the author of Balance, Life, Lessons, and Success. And we discuss the importance of making space for yourself, not only if you're in addiction recovery, but in life in general. Also through our conversation, we talk about mending past traumas and fractured relationships in ways that you yourself can grow in those areas. Also, we raise a question about necessary and unnecessary anxiety. If you'd like to know more about Cherie, click the link in the podcast description. And thank you for checking out Knocking Doors Down. Please hit that subscribe button and leave Knocking Doors Down a rating and a review. It helps. It gets the word out. And while you're at it, if you're finding value in Knocking Doors Down, please share with another person. That's a big cup. I know. (laughs) Cherie Ashley, thanks for joining me on Knocking Doors Down. Appreciate you coming here. Yeah, absolutely. Drive from old homeschool uh, Hollister. I love that. (laughs) I love. I love that. And at the same time, it's like, damn, you know, if you know Hollister, it's like, oof. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I was telling you, my dad owned a a decorative rock yard. Like when you're coming in from San Juan Batista, they're off the road. Okay. Yeah, and went to uh, junior high there. Sacred Heart Middle School. Man, the nuns were fucking tough. Uh, I like to start with gratitude, though. Mm -hmm. It helps me kind of understand what people are at. Three things you're grateful for today. My recovery, my family, um, and the ability to have another day. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of gratitude. In well, abundance, I it, feel. It's a, it's a, but, but it's so imperative for mm-hmm. like a healthy life in general. Forget right. just the recovery part, but just right. a healthy life. 100%. I just feel like if I, I know what it's like to stare death in the face at one point that I was in such a bad place that every day I wake up and I just love life so much. I love being able to wake up and go to the gym. People are like, you're crazy to go into the gym at like five in the morning. But I'm like, yeah, but I get to go to the gym at five in the morning. Like, that's great. And I'm mentally there. I'm in it. I'm down for it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, I don't have to like, oh, I got to show up. It's like, I'm excited to go do something productive for myself, you know, because I don't know what the day's going to have ahead of me. (laughs) Like, my days can be chaos and I have no idea I can have nothing in my calendar and I should have had 20 things on it you know by the end of it well don't you think like when people say that you're crazy that I don't know about you I step into that like yeah Mm -hmm. you're right I am totally I I I, compared to what and how people and it's not a knock on people but how some people want to conduct themselves I'm Mm -hmm. like yeah I have to be crazy because if I don't guess what I do I turn back to a bottle really fast yeah exactly and that's you know I feel like I function better under stress and chaos like 
I love that shit. You know, chaos for me is like, tell me everything that sounds almost impossible because I want to be able to achieve that. You know, tell me that I can't be five different places in a week because I'm going to make sure I can make that happen. Yeah. You know, that's that's the the crazy chaos that um, I I really enjoy. Like I have gratitude for being able to do all of that. Yeah, don't you think that's kind of a butting up against, you know, when you say that, I, me personally, I don't hear chaos. I hear like a willingness to thrive in adverse situations because mm-hmm. you already have. Right. Like we're going to get into a little bit here, but we're mostly just going to have a rad conversation, you know. I mean, right. You, you know, you f- fell into heroin addiction, and it was an area like, was it black tar heroin really at the time? Or at was the time, that? yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, you know, you're, I mean, you're right. I like the, the way you look at it and perceive it that way. Um, and also, for me, it's balance, just being mm. able to, to balance everything. Like, you know, I wrote a book about, I don't know, gosh, it's been almost five years now, but, um, you know, just being able to find what's important to you and being able to line it up to where it's not overwhelming, but you feel like you're giving to each area of your life equally. Mm. To me, that's important. Like I'm, I don't miss anything with my kids because I'm working all the time and I'm not, not there for my team at work because I'm out shopping or something you know right. it's like i i find balance to where i'm taking care of myself taking care of my family taking care of my company and i feel like i'm giving equal putting equal eggs in the baskets you know sure and that's a tough it's just it's tough in general i'm gonna have to pick your brain more on that because i'm kind of struggling there with that mm-hmm. you know well my kids we were talking before teenagers right now and mm-hmm. um i just feel like i'm like constantly you know, working, and so it's. I'm still in that process. One of our mutual friends has become my mentor, Mike Diamond. He's really kind of you know helping me put those pieces together a little bit better, but and and see something beyond just that. Like right. I think that's a rut a lot of people in recovery, let alone life in general, get stuck in. It's just this day to day grind of loop that sometimes you know. Where do you find your joy in your day? Right. Exactly. And. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm guilty of it. I'm not perfect by any means of like, oh, well, I'm able to do this and I'm able to do that. You know, I, I try my best, but I also have to remember that I have a job that consists of the phone a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I've gone to trainings and conferences where they talk about um, process addictions and, you know, secondary addictions. And it's the minute they talk about that cell phone, I'm just like, not me. I'm, okay, I'm going to walk out right now, you know, but it, it's true. It's like, oh, but I'm working. I'm working. And I have to remember that, okay, I might be physically present for my kids, but am I mentally there? And so that's something I'm still working on because I think, okay, well, I'm here and I'm on the phone and I'm cooking dinner and I'm doing, you know, bath time and whatnot. Um, but also the cell phone, you know, they're looking mm-hmm. at that like, hello, mom, you're here. So I'm trying to work on that piece of it because um, that part's hard just yeah. to put it completely away. Yeah. I, I've had moments. Uh, have you ever seen Click with Adam Sandler mm-hmm. where he's yeah. kind of watching himself like like your kid wants to play with you. Put down. The, you know. Yes. I've had moments like that where I'm catching myself and my youngest is in there talking with me and I the TV's on. I'm at my computer editing something and I'm just I, I just have to go. Don't be a dick. Stop. Right. Like, 
even if your kids just whatever it is, like it doesn't matter what it is, just stop. Like mm-hmm. at this particular moment in time, it's such a challenge for me too. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part. Um, but you know, it's it's recognizing it. I would say like if we're both recognizing that it could be problematic, that's the first step of anything, right? <laughs> that's <what laughs> Realizing they- <laughs> there might be a little bit of a problem. So what's the solution? What can we try to do differently? So I bet I, when I go home today, I'm gonna do really good at that because it's fresh in my mind and we're having the conversation. I will be like, I'm putting my phone away for a couple of hours and I'll be really proud of that um, and hope that I can do it again tomorrow because it's hard and you get busy and you forget and yeah, I mean, that's, that's life though. I think it's so the, the, the thing that we tell me, this is for me, like, you know, um, were you sober by the time your kids were born or? I was. Okay, see, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, and I don't know if it's a, a living amends, mm-hmm. you know, big 12-step thing, guys, if uh, you know that one, um, to just work really hard. Like, I have such a fear. You know, I had a couple of years where finances were really good, and then obviously what's happened with our economy mm-hmm. and and then making less on top of inflation, I have like a huge fear of not being able to provide. And, um, you know, some of my isms are very much, you know, I have to work a lot on the people-pleasing, right? perfectionism. Uh, you know, I definitely always strive to do something bigger but now it's not just up here it's an action and and it's hard for me to let that go Mm -hmm. like it really is like I feel like if I'm up till two in the morning which I was the other night editing um, that I'm doing it for a really good reason and it's hard for me to let that go right when it's not just it's not just for my family but it's also for the guy that sends me a message that says, hey, I listened to your podcast. I had opioids in my hand. I stumbled upon it on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I flushed them down the toilet and listened for the next six hours. Right. So it's a lot of those responsibilities that I feel oh, overall, and they might all be in my head that it's like, you still could have went to bed at 9 o'clock. Right, exactly. That could have maybe result. waited till the morning, you know, but I feel like that's just the way our minds operate and we have to kind of embrace that too to some degree you know it's trying to find that balance but also understand that there's also a gift behind it too Mm. like i feel we've overcome some rough things in our life right and so you started with gratitude and i love that because every day we should start with gratitude everything should start with gratitude and and realizing like, you know what, I might be doing the most and doing a lot of things at once, but I was put here and I was saved from my struggles to be able to multitask and help in a lot of different ways at one time. And with that, I feel it's a total gift that I am able and capable of doing that. And seeing everything that you're doing, I mean, your kids, how old did you say they were? Uh, 15 and then then 14 in in less than a month. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. You know, and it's like life's constantly changing all the time. So we're trying to figure out how to work through new things that are coming up and our kids are changing ages. I mean, no one has handed a manual of what we're supposed to do. So we're just doing our best too. Yeah. How did you go about, because I I really admire, I still don't sleep good. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I, I think it's some different health stuff. I have some screwed up joints and all these different things but how do you get that time for you 
Like, uh, it's one of the areas I still struggle. Recently went to the driving range with my kids and things like that, but I don't have a constant, like, for me, separate of this. Mm -hmm. Because I love what I do. I mean, I went to college to learn to do this type of stuff. So it's hard for me to really separate from from this. Right. What is it that you loved? What's you? You know, it's pretty funny. People get a kick out of this. My first sponsor goes, what'd you love as a kid? I was like, I don't know, movies? Nope. Strike. It's doing <laughs> something. Uh, playing with G.I. Joe? Nope. Bullshit. And he goes, like, I can tell you like working with your hands. I, I do. And I was like, I love Legos. And he goes, okay, got me a gift card. So I build Legos. But they're so fucking expensive that, yeah. that I can't because I got bookshelves for them. I'll tell wow. you what you're It's like Star Wars and Formula oh One gosh. and race cars and all that. But I, I really have very few things. It's an area right. I'm still struggling to explore. I mean, right. I I love archery, but my bow and arrow sat up in my closet for mm-hmm. two years mm-hmm. and all these different things. I used to do jujitsu. My gym closed down. Never found a new one. Right. You know what I'm saying? I really struggle with that. Like, how did you, I mean, Three kids, mm-hmm. uh, partner or no? Yes. Yes. I am okay. Married. Yeah. Okay. Good. So you got that. So yes. you got. But I then I have the help, which is nice. You're right. Like, but I, then you have that too. Is how do you get the time for the relationship, for the kids, everyone together, let alone for yourself? That's where right. I'm really struggling. Well, and I think when you look back and someone asks me the same questions, like what is it that you like to do? What do you like to do as a kid? And I feel like what we like to do as kids is different than what we love to do now. As a kid, I loved going snowboarding all winter long. You know, I love to do all these things. I love to cheer and dance. Um, I don't do those things as much now. Now I'm trying to teach the kids how to snowboard. Um, But more so what I've found of what I need today and now is something that's going to make me feel good and productive about myself. So I lost, um, wasn't in touch and lost working out for a while, you know, and it was like touch and go type, like workout, okay, not. And it was really not feeling good about myself personally. Um, And I told myself, I feel so great when I just give myself that 45 minutes a day. Like I feel amazing mentally, physically. Um, So I got back into that. And for me, no matter what happens in the day, if I start my day out that way, I feel good about it. You know, I can handle the chaos that may come. Um, but I also don't beat myself up over it if I had a really crazy day and I want to hit the snooze button and I don't want to go to the gym one time. Um, that's okay too, you know, because I used I would always beat myself up about certain things like I'm not good enough, I'm not doing enough, and you know it's not happening quick enough. That was my biggest thing. I was very impatient, and I feel like that led to the opiate use too. Uh. Is that I? It kind of numbed and blocked all of that out, and it was a quick fix, and it was getting me what I need right now. When everything else in life, like college, four years, what? I don't want to, that's going to take forever. And then it's like, I'd try and then I'd drop out. So it's like I would reach for the stars with certain things, but I never achieved it. So now I'm like, okay, I've overcome addiction and I went through one of the hardest things that I've ever encountered. So anytime something gets really hard and it things get hard often, especially owning a couple treatment facilities, it's really takes a mental toll on me sometimes. Um, but I have to remind myself like, okay, you've done worse. Personally, your personal integrity, your health, 
everything. Mentally, you've done harder, so you can do it. And so I have to have those conversations with myself often. Um, And for self-care, I try to commit to at least some sort of retreat Mm. once a year. Um, So I did on-site. Have you heard of on-site? It's in, they have one in California now, but originated in uh, Tennessee and it's a trauma retreat and it's amazing. So I might need to embrace that as I told you my story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I I went, my husband went uh, about maybe four months ago and it's it's great i mean it's good just for balance just to be able to re they have a living centered program and whether it's work or kids or family or you know relationship issues or whatever it is that somebody may be going through it's a really awesome program to just get away for five days turn the cell phone off turn it in actually um and just recenter yourself while you're checking knocking doors down out don't forget to hit the subscribe button and if you get a lot out of this podcast share with a friend and don't forget the archive of interviews we have bam margera brandon novak kat von d charlie sheen edward furlong kelly osborne the list goes on and on of amazing guests that have been on the podcast sharing how they have found purposeful lives speaking of purpose how about a lifestyle brand with purpose 5150 LTM. That's right. Not only is it a lifestyle brand that can fit whatever it is you're trying to achieve in life, but they give back to the community. And you, the listener of Knocking Doors Down, get 20% off every time you shop at 5150 LTM. All you have to do is use the code KDD20 at checkout and get 20% off. And how does 5150 give back to the community? Portions of the sales benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation. Their three amazing programs, the race to end the stigma, the race for autism, and the race to be drug free. More on the Carlos Vieira Foundation, go to carlosvierafoundation.org. So you mentioned it's trauma retreat. Do you, did trauma really connect to your addiction? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Because I'm hearing a lot of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I've had some friends, oh, they were the cheerleaders and the dancers and you know, felt they had to live up to certain standards right. and such. Right, Um You know, I grew up and had a really good childhood. I really did. Mm. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that I, I did struggle with some abandonment issues. You know, my dad was absent for a majority of my childhood. I grew up with my younger brother and a single mom, so it was just us three. And then my dad had another family and had five other kids. And we were like estranged from each other. It was really weird. And we knew who each other were, but we didn't communicate at a young age. And there was a lot of curiosity there. And it was it was a weird feeling as a young girl to be like, okay, I'm their older sister, but I'm not their older sister type mm-hmm. deal. Um, so, 
luckily now, you know, we have a relationship, but I wish it would have been stronger growing up. And I've lost one of my brothers. I lost him a couple years ago, and that's been really hard. Um, But, you know, it was always having to do something. And it's like, okay, I did sports, I did dance, and I did cheer. Um, But I told myself, I think life's really good. Well, I'm doing all these things. So I didn't feel like I had trauma, even going through treatment. I'm like, no, I just touched the wrong thing, you know, and it got me hooked. And and to some degree, that's absolutely true. You know, yeah. my addiction was short-lived. It was a few years, um, no knowledge on opiates, tried Norcos, which led to Oxy, which led to heroin. Um, and thank God I was able to go to a program and, and be done with it. But I think we all have trauma and some more severe than others. And for me, you know, it's learning, and we even bring on our own trauma through our addiction, too. Oh, yes. Big time, oh, right? Yes. And trying to work through that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that the word trauma, as well as mental health, are words that used to really make people go like this. You mm-hmm. know, like, oh, well, trauma, and it's, you know, the big trauma, the the ones that we fear, yeah. right? We talked a little the, bit the about that. The big T or the little T. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, no, I didn't have any trauma. You know, I was just an addict. But it's like, no, we all encounter trauma. You know, losing my brother was traumatic. Watching my family and, you know, his mom and my siblings go through so much mentally and just feeling so helpless, like there's nothing any of us can do. We got to just try our best to move forward. And being in my situation and looking at that is like, was really hard. And I have a brother still struggling with addiction, yeah. you know, really badly. And here I am a counselor and have treatment facilities and I can't even save my baby brother. Right. You know, that that is a level to me of a little bit of trauma where I really just cringe inside sometimes when other people talk about their siblings and then I'm talking about mine. It's it's hard. I feel like I need to constantly do my own work through that because I feel guilt Yeah. for whatever reason, you know? Well, I would think a, a hopelessness too. Big time. It's like I've got all the tools and and it's the tough thing about loving someone that is in addiction is, right. is is at the end of the day, and I think you're a testament of it, like you said, sure, your addiction, and I don't care because you can mess up a lot of shit in three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can mess it up in a year of addiction. I don't care you what it is. You can do it with one night, you yeah. know? Yeah, but it's that, it's that at the end of the day, no matter what, the individual really has to want this. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, step have to want to step into it. Yeah. And it's and it's a tough thing, especially if you come from various backgrounds where there's been a lot of excuses made for you and codependency right. and right. all these different things. And and right. like you said, that is tough, though. I mean, he, he, part of our identity is is connecting to our parents as mm-hmm. we grow, and so that's I mean that's a huge loss. Right. That's tough. Right. Uh, you know, I know I felt rejection, and my parents didn't divorce. Granted, but. I also wasn't the kid that it was like, I really want to spend one-on-one time with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. seemed like that couldn't get done fast enough sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because, and we talked a little bit about it, is as kids finding their voice. You know, it's, we don't know. Nobody told me to say, and then I don't think you even know how to say how you feel at that age. And that's the hard part. It's like you're feeling a certain way, but you don't know how to express that or talk about it. And I feel that it's really important that us, you know, 
that have gone through it or working in this field and professionals um, educate our youth more Mm -hmm. and let them know ways that they can communicate that with somebody that they feel comfortable with um, to be able to work to work through it. I mean, gosh, I even feel like school should be offering some sort of meditation and like breathing exercises. Oh, big time. I think if you implemented a 12 step program, uh, and I don't mean it, you know, like, hey, like, hey, you know, don't drink or do drugs because right. we all know that shit failed with, with yeah. Reagan. Because if it worked, we wouldn't be sitting we, here. Yes. Uh, if the D.A.R.E. program worked, we would have never tried drugs. But for whatever reason, it made us a little more curious. Exactly. You know? um, I think if you, you would be able to provide a lexicon of not mm-hmm. only language to communicate your emotions, right. like what you're saying with your kids, but also... I see it and tell me what you think and I don't know how much you speak to youth is when I've gone when when I talk to them I prefer a smaller classroom share my story a bit Mm -hmm. share what's going on out there with drug culture and just try to help them understand there's empowering decisions or disempowering and Mm -hmm. it's up to you I'm, I'm not telling you what to do like when I tell them I'm like I'm not against anything right but I'm going to tell you what can really happen. Right. You know, especially with fentanyl out there and everything, it's mixed and everything. You could be gone in your experimentation just like that. So beyond right. that, I don't, you know, I don't try to go, don't do this or that. It's like, you're going to be curious about life, but right. understand you have empowering decisions you can make or disempowering. Right. So I think if we had like a 12-step program, Absolutely. it would help where they go to me then go, okay, well, I don't want to use drugs or alcohol or sex or food or money or whatever it is to to be able to escape. Present me my alternative. And I think that's what's really lacking. I agree. And how do, you know, we we want to, I always say we want to be careful with the word anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of psychiatrists and, and doctors are quick to use that word and diagnose and then put a prescription right with it. Um, But... You know, depending on the age that we're working with, nervous. We all know what it feels like to be nervous when you take a test or your first day of school or whatever it may be. And what are some coping mechanisms for that feeling? Mm-hmm. Those kids, the kids aren't being taught that in school, you know? And it's like, of course, math and English and writing and all of that is very important, but we're living in another world today. And having those tools of how to cope and deal with their emotions, I feel is almost more important to be able to to work through. Because um, it is a scary world that we're, we're living in and these kids do need to be able to have those tools, have the communication skills, have options. Um, we talked a little bit about the curiosity when it comes to drugs and sex and all the things these kids are hearing through music and TV and social media. Oh, social media. We can go down that rabbit hole if you want. Oh my goodness. We can be here all day and tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, that's, you know, I didn't, your, your kids are teenagers, so I'm sure they're going through it too. Yeah. Right now, you know, it's, Comparing, comparing themselves to other people and what they don't have, what someone else may have, and it's out reality. Yeah. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, my slogan, um, and I'm sorry the t-shirts aren't ready, otherwise I'll mail you one, is no outside solutions to inside mm-hmm. problems. And, I'll, and I tell these kids this story where when social media comes up, I go, 
Okay, so I have a buddy who's a manager, and we interviewed one of his clients who was running late because they were out on a yacht that wasn't their yacht that they got time to shoot on because he fueled up the guy's yacht that he knew to get it, and then everybody, like, you know, that the tag is, like, living my best life. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you got to understand a lot of what this is, th- that it's out there. And, I right. mean, you and I do it. You mm-hmm. you were recently at our mutual friends event, Rock to Recovery, went saw Brandon Novak receive his award there. And, right. you know, we know all these people, and it's great, and we have these photos, and, you know, like, people, well, man, you met Charlie Sheen or whatever. It's like, yeah, but it's aligned with what I do. Right, exactly. A- and... And so if somebody asks, it's like, yeah, but understand all the work behind all this. Right, you exactly. Know, my life led up to certain little moments. Right. So don't, don't sit and compare what you're feeling inside to what you see somebody else's outside, because guess what? They're going through shit, too. Of course. Yeah, we all, we all are. You know, we, we all are. And I think, you know, I really like what you just said, because that's something that I'm battling currently right now is people look and think, oh wow, life looks so great. But it's like, don't, I don't, I know I don't every single day, again, with the gratitude, I do not forget where I come from. You know, I remember what it's like to be sweating and withdrawing and just trying to figure out a way to get a dollar, just can I have one hit? You know, I mean, that's a really dark, scary place to be. And when you become suicidal in your addiction, I'm sorry, I'm at a point where I don't care what somebody looks at my life and says, wow, wow, you have this and this. Yeah, I do. And I found recovery and sobriety through that to be where I am today. And I have the ability to work with so many amazing people, such as yourself and Mike Diamond, you know, a mutual friend of ours who's, I just love love him, you know, Brandon, all these other people who have gone through some really shitty situations to be where they are today too, you know, and have overcome some really hard things that some people will never even understand. And to me, that makes someone one hell of a person when you can stare death in the face, contemplate taking your own life and overcome all of that and work with other people who've gone through similar situations to still say, you know what, we aren't selfish. All we want to do in our purpose in life is to help other people that are, are currently struggling. Mm-hmm. Like, how how do you look at that at like, wow, you have this and you have that. We could be selfish and say, oh, been there, done that. That's not who I am today. But there's a gift about us that we really feel for those people. Oh, yeah. Like internally, like we, our heart, oh, yeah. it's like put everything we want aside, that can wait. This person needs us right now. And that is powerful. And I love working with people that think the same way and are in alignment with that. Well, and I don't know about you, but like our homeless situation is just, Mm. I got this young man when he's sober, really sweet, really shy. His name's Arthur and he's often outside the 7-Eleven and, um, but when he's not, and I'm pretty sure it's, he seems to go into a psychosis, so I'm guessing methamphetamines, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, and I just, it hurts because every time I don't see him, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. he got a dose with like fentanyl or something mm-hmm. and he's gone. Because he's really sweet when he's not, but when he's going through that psychosis, he's, he's fighting off what seems to be two abusive adults. He references physical and sexual abuse mm-hmm. and all these things, and it's like, 
it bothers me just how like screwed up this thing is right now I know. at really helping people because we, we've got this bullshit government now direct into the camera that keeps sitting here and see we're helping people we bought this hotel it's like no you bought a hotel your cousin probably owned the property and all you're doing is just give them a shooting gallery now to go yes. into and buy more drugs and everything else you're just simply saying we're doing our job because you're appeasing the people to go we don't want to see them on our streets mm -hmm. but you're not helping anyone not at all I'm, I'm I mean yeah, not at all. The San Francisco Tenderloin, I am so sorry, but I, I can't with that. I mean, it's going to take, you know, a big group of us to keep speaking out loud and to go go down there and really speak to the government. Like, we have to do something, Jason. It's bad. Safe injecting sites, supportive housing, you know, food cards and all this stuff. Like, I'm sorry, but to hear that the addiction has gotten so bad to where you now are saying you feel comfortable living down there, we have a problem. And then I have people calling me into my admissions line wanting help, but they don't have any resources. They yeah. don't have insurance and they don't have money. And I'm sitting here with my team saying, can we scholarship this person? Are we in a position right now that we can take them in? Because any opportunity I can, if someone's calling and they want the help, no questions asked you can come into my facility yep. you know so why is there not state funded programs oh and then there are but hold on you got to be detox first yeah. right they don't do that part of it you have to have a clean drug test and be sober to come in it's like well instead of the safe injecting sites and the supportive housing open up some detox facilities and help these people get off these drugs safely or better yet those of us that work in private treatment that know how to do this better than you government why don't you work with us right exactly. but they're not gonna they're not gonna they would never no no mm -mm. they would never because they don't get to sit there and go see look what we did right. and it's sad because our citizens are dying right like we fill up you you think about the overdose and death rate alcohol drugs mm. what is it it's like a 747 every day yeah that can be filled yeah an entire yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, no. Can you imagine that? I mean, a plane crashing every single day, and that's how many people are yeah. dying. The news would be all addiction. over it, but mm -hmm. but r nobody's up in arms. Like, no offense to anything that happened during the pandemic. I, I had people that got very ill, lost people, all that. I get it. Right. But I'm sorry, this addiction thing is killing way more people each year, and no one's up in fucking arms about it. Absolutely. There, there, there's, there's, no, there's nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. But at the minute that somebody passes away, it's like everyone pull out the cameras, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm honestly dealing with that right now. We work really, really hard for our, our clients. And at the end of the day, if somebody doesn't want it, we are not to blame. I am sorry, we're not to blame because somebody overdosed or you could have done things different. Nothing hurts me more than going home and having a family who's just as sick as their loved ones say, they died because it's your fault and right. you didn't do enough. It's like, no, that is not true. We did everything that we could to help them. We even took that person in for free. And now we're all about money. Yeah. You're all about money. You're not for the right people. And it's like, no, let's get our facts straight here. And the hardest part, Jason, with that is we are in such a screwed up state where it's keep your mouth shut, don't say anything, but sit here and take the bullying and the punishing mm -hmm. and the bad publicity and the bad media and really all we're trying to do is help save lives. Yeah.
that part really disturbs me a lot. Oh, I'm I'm with you, and where the where a family would sit, and because I faced that with the nonprofit that I've worked at, and the mm -hmm. founder there, Flynn Anderson, and he's with his treatment facility, certainly dealt with it. But where there's that kind of backlash, and it's and it's kind of like back up the fucking apple cart like right like w no there wasn't a part of us with whatever maybe trauma that they had behind them or their friendships that they chose or any of those things mm -hmm. we were here to do the best that we can and sometimes and you know it within regulations because fuck insurance companies right now mm -hmm. you might people may not understand you if you can get someone for 30 days anymore mm -hmm. with insurance covering it, it's a miracle right let alone to go through detox. And, right. and and there's so many limitations with detox. Like right. um, if somebody goes, look, I, I'm really hooked on methadone. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you can't take you. You have to be on 40 milligrams or less. Yeah. But they've been on 180 milligrams for the past 10 years. Yeah. Insurance doesn't want to cover that because they need to go back to the person, which is the clinic, who got them on the 180 milligrams. And I hate them. It, it, I do not. Methadone places should not be called clinics. They are not. There they is no not. treatment there. No, not at all. No, not it is all. a maintenance center. Knocking Doors Down by Carlos Vieira. Now available wherever you get audiobooks. I wasn't done partying and I didn't want the binge to end. I think I knew that when I finally got home, I'd have to face what I had done, and I wasn't ready to do that. Being responsible for my actions wasn't something I was looking forward to. I had abandoned my wife and baby, my family, and my business. I wanted to avoid the shame of returning to what I had left behind. Even though I was not yet going home, I wasn't sure I had enough resources to continue the binge. Click the link in the podcast description to find out more. I don't know about you. I'm guessing we're probably like, I'm all up for harm reduction. If of we're course. getting someone, you're taking them off the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply streets right. they were you know fentanyl addict or whatever need mm -hmm. some suboxone but with a taper right because what the, you're just leaving that brain and body on a chemical Agreed. if you're just like here it is go right. ahead live 10 years especially when it's a young person right like, right I, I agree 21 years old started using opiates and, and fentanyl they've never been to treatment before take all the substances away everything let their mind clear up in a safe place with the right professionals and see how far you can get yeah. do the therapy to deal with the past present and future tools and see where we get thank god nobody put any medications down my throat mm. because i didn't need any maintenance and i could have easily went to the wrong program or clinic who says oh you want to get off heroin well the way to do that is you need to be on methadone or you need to be on suboxone for the rest of your life and that's just another crutch. Not saying, like you said, not everybody, right? There's some people and that's where we have to trust the professionals and that gets hard. How do you trust the professionals when you have somebody coming in that's abusing Xanax because, well, their doctor gave it to them. So I don't wanna get off the Xanax, I just wanna get off the alcohol. Right. You know, not that, That my doctor says I need that. So we need to be able to <laughs> 
break. I mean, my goodness, these conversations can go on forever. Yeah. There's just so there's so much. Yeah, it's 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 tough. Yeah, I mean, in, in that I've had that where I've had people that have been like, "Oh man, I want to quit smoking weed, but I don't want to quit drinking." It's like, well, mm-hmm. why don't we get them all out of the picture for a while? I had a guy, right. you know, that wanted to hire me as a recovery coach, and I'm like. Why don't we get them all out of the picture? Well, no, I don't want that. And it's hard for me to be like, all right, well, that's cool, Mr. X, but guess what? You're probably going to be out drinking and then somebody pulls out a joint and then you're right back to it. Right, exactly. It's that altered mindset. Yeah. Right? That altered mindset can put you in a position where now you're doing something that you're going to regret. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, think about it. You made a good uh, is, this is an example that I'm still in, but I've used it three times, so it's mine now. Uh, <laughs> think about the 21-year-old. Say they go through whatever treatment facility. doesn't matter. Treatment facility was good. They're great. But but they've decided that, you know, I'm 21. I've never been out to a bar legally. Mm-hmm. So I go out to the bar. They just order, you know, my thing if I'm forced to go to a But it's just the tonic water with the lime. Cool. But then what if all of a sudden it's this just young, young man, uh, acute. You know, gal comes up to him, starts chatting him up. She's having a drink. Mm-hmm. Opioids was his thing. She's getting real flirty, touching his leg, and all right. of a sudden whips out a couple pills and goes, hey, you want to come back to my place and we'll have some fun? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be thrown our way that we're going to exactly. have to face that's, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And if we and if your situation, you know it better than me. You're only getting thirty days, where hopefully you can clear the brain up somewhat by then. Thirty days is nothing. No, I was in treatment for seven months, and when I tell families because they're like, "What happens next?" or "Oh, I just want to check in for detox seven to ten days and go home," I'm like, "That's not going to work." Not to be discouraging, but let's be real here: seven to ten days is not enough time under your belt at all. Not even thirty days. Not even sixty days. One year commitment to your recovery with a combination of detox, residential, intensive outpatient, sober living, sober coaching, case management, all the things. You know, by five months, my mind was barely getting clear. I mean, every day I was thinking about using. I was pushing through because I was in a safe environment, but every single day that thought would come. And I I would say around five months, finally it would come, but it wouldn't stick. Mm. It would come and then it would go. And as time goes on, the thought just passes, then you don't even think about it anymore. But that takes a long time. So we're doing a disservice to our clients by only providing the 30 days. We have to make sure we're setting them up for long term, but we don't have insurance on our side providing that. Or you have the constant relapser who clearly needs the most treatment because the second they leave that safe zone of residential, they've already relapsed. So oh, now yeah. they've been to 10 programs within that year, and now insurance is saying, we're not even gonna authorize four days because they've already been to treatment too many times. No, this person needs treatment more. Yeah. So we have to, <laughs> how do we change that though, you know? <sighs> yeah, I mean, when the, the I hate getting political, but people just understand when, you know, we continue to sit and think we're the constituents for Mm -hmm. the elected officials and we're not. It's these businesses. And so when these policies can be, the one that never made sense to me is, okay, like you said, we're going to authorize this person 10 different times Mm -hmm. for treatment. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just authorize them once? Let's keep them there at least six months. Exactly. Agreed. You know, Mm -hmm. because as you know, better than me, 
but I know aftercare is everything. It is. It's one thing it to get to, to get clean and start to get the drug out of your system, but mm-hmm. I mean, some people, you know, I've talked to people. They're like, "Yeah, my brain, I didn't really get restored for maybe four years mm-hmm. to where I felt really with it." Right. You know, right. it's like at any point you can be vulnerable. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree, and it's the accountability piece too. Like that's somebody needs to hold them accountable i i needed accountability Mm -hmm. um what i offer to my clients now especially my alcoholics who just you know have been through treatment a few times um is soberlink i don't know if you've heard of it i have heard of yeah i love soberlink i've been using it for years with my clients um but you know i'm like if you go through treatment and you're committed to your recovery I will monitor that device with you for free. No charge, I'll put it on my account, I'll pay for it. You only have to do, the only thing you need to do is take that test three times a day for the next year. And it works great. And it's like you almost instantly, it's like insurance should be saying you have to do this or you have to do drug testing because I already know when someone's gonna relapse the second I offer that and they say, no, but I'll call you if I feel that I need it and Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, don't want to be discouraged. I mean, congratulations, you just completed your 30-day program, but I'm worried. Well, I think it's a lot of delusion, and, and especially uh, families tend to have it, is Family. that yeah. it's like, here's, uh, oh, you went through treatment, you are cured, like it's, right. you know. No, this is a disease. It can mm-hmm. work like cancer and come exactly. right back, and pretty exactly. quick. And exactly, and, you, and like cancer. Families are so supportive. What do we need to do? Yeah. What do we need to do? Or somebody's, you know, diabetic and, okay, you have a few months to live. If you don't start exercising and cut out the sugar, families, oh my gosh, what do we need to do? Okay, get out all the sugar. I'll start walking with you. But yet, addicts aren't getting the same support from their families. It's like, well, I don't need to do that. That's yeah. the, they're the ones with the problem. Oh, yeah. And it's your job to fix it. And if you don't fix it, it's not my problem. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think about it in that regard because it's the one thing that I'll see constantly where, like you're saying, oh, you know, Uncle George, he's got uh, diabetes. Okay, so we're, you know, no sugar, sugar free stuff only at this Thanksgiving, but you take the addict and you know we're all gonna have wine wine and beer and (laughs) but you are not allowed to yeah that's what i tell families well are you supportive of that can you not drink around them during the holidays can you go to dinner and not order a drink and expect them they just got out of rehab two months ago Mm -hmm. well i'm not the one with the problem right but yet well then you expect them when they do have the problem to sit there and and go through those feelings of i really feel like relapsing right now because they don't have the family support yeah but when they relapse and die and the picture that you had sitting above the mantle in the fireplace never ages anymore come holidays Mm -hmm. it's going to become your fucking family problem real quick exactly but they don't want to accept that then that's when they got to turn it on somebody else you know so it's hard well, I think it's a situation. We don't like certain things to reflect mm-hmm. back at us. Right. I know it's tough for me. I, I played the victim. I wanted to blame, mm-hmm. you know. Well, right. you drove me to drink or mm-hmm. get angry or whatever. And it was a complete lack of personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. Yeah, that's the very first thing. We have to take responsibility for our own actions, yeah. you know. Stop. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, how can we solve the world problems today? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm just baffled. I'm, I'm stuck in uh, some of these thoughts. 
trying not to get angry because I'm angry about it. Yeah, same. I am angry about it. I am angry that this is the the world that we live in. I mean, we've been in such a weird. You know, people wonder, oh, why are these kids so confused? I mean, look what what the last three, four years of their life have been. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and we get inundated with so much BS, and such yeah. a fear-driven society. Think about we Fear-driven, we live in yeah. California. Were you going to get hit by the hurricane? Oh my God. Because I got my mom texting me, please be safe. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, the hurricane, it's going up through L.A. and everything. I'm like, yeah, there's a little bit of clouds here. And she's like, you know, I one can't. of our good family friends is like, yeah, it's sprinkled a little bit in Anaheim, but nothing. But it was this big batten down the hatches. Yes. I mean, L.A., they called a state of emergency. I can't. It's like, what the? Yeah, we became so fear driven. Yes. Agreed. I don't know. It's like, yeah, how do we get out of that? I know. I mean, I think just putting the message out there and having resources too, you know, and starting with our youth and the kids. And I mean, that's, I think the biggest thing too is. Do you think that, I mean, your kid's younger than mine, but that a lot of them are struggling with who to believe? That there's been so much, you know, we had disinformation and Mm -hmm. every other fucking thing out there over these past couple of years within the political realm and everything was politicized that it it's it's kind of I think disorientated people. Right. Right. Yeah, I I do and again, you know, we don't have the right answer, unfortunately. No. But all we can do, I just try to tell my kids, especially my nine year old, you know, if you have questions, ask me. I may not have the perfect or right answer, but I will always give you an answer that I know I truly care about you and what you're feeling, you know? So it's, I try my best to do that and educate him, um, let him know that he can. I never want my kids to feel they can't ask me because they're gonna ask somebody, Yeah. you know? And I know that if they're asking a friend, that friend's not going to know the right answer, <laughs> right. or they're not going to have the love that I have for my children. So I want them to know, no matter how crazy the question may be, or oh, you know, I can't believe you just asked that. I want them to feel safe to be mm-hmm. able to do so. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's tough. I mean, sometimes even as parents, we get a little stumped in mm-hmm. in the right words. Totally. You know, to say. I mean, I think just we just try to keep them busy with sports, things we did as kids, too, because now sure. it's like video games. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these kids would be on video games all day long. And that's a back to the cell phone thing. I need to work on that. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't play video games, but, Mom, you're on your phone all the time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and it's a hard part where it's like, oh, shit, I'm being a hypocrite. Right. Totally. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I am so guilty of that. I have a I've never been tested, but my everybody says all oh, your symptoms line up with some ADHD type of uh, stuff there because mm-hmm. I'll have a podcast going while I'm editing or right. I got a TV on or whatever you know. Right. I seem to always Same. have some sort of something that I'm plugged into, <laughs> yes. and it's it's uh, it's my it's my own challenge for sure. What are some of the things you still struggle? How long have you been clean? Uh, January was 11 years, so wow. coming up on 12, crazy. Hell yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I remember just waiting to hit double digits, you know, like yeah. I can't wait to have 10. Um, but yeah, coming up on 12. What are some of the, the, the isms that you think, other than obviously the disconnecting from technology? Have, are you past the point where 
I, I, you know, I, I know for me, I know my brain will revert pretty quickly. Like I was golfing with the kids the other day and we're walking past and I realized the golf course that we were at while people are sitting out, you go right by the outdoor bar and everything mm -hmm. else. And my brain went to, oh yeah, I've sat there and drank many a times. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, I have never been to this golf course before without drinking, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I'm kind of there where it's connecting to certain memories, but I don't salivate like I used to right. and all those things. It, well, I think I, I have a lot of awareness sure. around it, you know, working on the front ends with detox, um, I see the very bad place it puts people every single day, you know, when they're calling in and they're crying and the family's in crisis. So every day I'm reminded of how bad things can get. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like, you know, the phone, I, I need to work on that. That's always oh, a hard one. I'll just keep working on that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but you know, I, yeah, I don't know. That's hard, that's, a, that's hard to say. I didn't think different things pop up. I People pleasing is a big one. I really, really hate conflict. And I really have a lot of love for people. So when I feel someone's looking at me sideways or wanting to like attack or come after me, like that really, really bothers me. Yeah. I need to learn to not care. I was just talking to Mike about that. And he's like the best, right? Oh he, yeah. It's like, he's <laughs> such a good friend, but it's like, sorry, Mike, I know I'm calling you for a free therapy session right now, but I really need your advice because he has the best advice. Oh, um, yeah. But you know, it's, not caring what people, I need to work on that. I really need to work on that. I've always struggled since I was young. Um, I don't know about you, how are people you with that? People pleasing is so Ugh, tough for me. Total total downfall for myself. I put other people before me and I worry about other people and what mm -hmm. they're thinking constantly and it's like, oh my gosh, just stop, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I had a situation I was telling you about, I'm going to a speaking engagement um, mm -hmm. in, in Wisconsin into September and not realizing, and even I had conversed with my partner about it, but we had bought tickets to go to a concert, and she's all, yeah, that's gonna be great. And then it was like, wait a minute, when are you going to do this? And it was like, when the concert was. And then mm -hmm. here it was feeling, because you know she's really busy with work, a special ed teacher, and working mm -hmm. with children on the spectrum, and I mean little, so it's like really yeah. exhausting, and we don't get a lot of just us time, and, right. and it just left me feeling just utterly like shit mm -hmm. and then it was look i understand i support you it took about a day there was no like like outward yelling angry about it right but it's, you know we're, we communicate really well but you could just see the disappointment and i hate disappointing right but i've had to step into and mike's helped me and then i was actually reading um dr jordan peterson's book mm -hmm. I think it's 12 rules for life, 12 steps, 12 rules for life. And in one of them where he's he's talking about conflict and he says he hates conflict as well, mm -hmm. but he hates that feeling of not having resolution even right. more. Right, I agree. And I've had to embrace that because I've realized, wow, for mm -hmm. me, some of my trigger areas um, are totally in that. Right. When I get in that space mm -hmm. of resentment or anger frustration uh, you know part of my people pleasing is is uh, being the problem solver mm -hmm. like I'll just fix it right um, and I still have people that go like hey you just need to fix this and it's like whoa 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 back the back it up mm -hmm. this isn't just a me scenario right so right. I struggle big time still I with do that. too I do too I don't know if I'll ever actually get over that. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I think it might just be character. I think I just have to learn how to be a little bit more of acceptance with it, I yeah. guess. Not always, yeah, problem solving and, and work. Because a lot of things are out of my control and I want to be able to control something and fix something if it is broken. Um, and I can't always do that because it's yeah. not, you know, I love that. It's not just a me situation or solution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard because yeah. we, we hurt in those things. Right. You know? <laughs> You're it right. Will. We genuinely it, care. Yeah. Gen- genuinely care. It will eat me up. It will bother me. It will be like, I feel sad today, you know, and right. I don't, I don't like that feeling. So it's like, okay, well, how can we just move past this and resolve it and yeah. go forward? Yeah. And I don't always have the tools for that. That's hard for me, too. too. We can call Mike. <laughs> we can call Mike. Mike, Diamond, you want to dial him up? I could probably get him on Zoom yeah, right now. Right. We could talk. We, we need some advice here. Uh, oh, my goodness. How do we just not care and not be such a people pleaser? <laughs> I, I know. And part of me wonders if I can ever embrace... Um, I wish he was on here because it, it was funny because he even brought that up. Like, hey, I'll, I'll FaceTime in with you guys. But... Um, yeah. He was talking about a scenario where it was something with with his his little boy, and mm-hmm. there's kind of a bullying scenario, and mm-hmm. where he just went in and handled the scenario. And I'm going, fuck. Like, I mean, I'll talk with people, but like, I'm I'm afraid of my anger because mm-hmm. when I get angry, like right. I'm angry and I shake and I I can be ugly right. and mean, like mm-hmm. yelling, just you know. But it's at the same time, like, is it in me, you know, to be a lion and <laughs> just kind of know when to growl here a little bit, right. but be able to do it in a calm, collected manner. And right. that inability to do that mm-hmm. has what keeps me from it sometimes. Yeah. 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 I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I've, I feel like that's been a big work in progress mm. for me as well. And I also think with age, I'm getting better. <laughs> I started working in my field at a very young age, and because I'm a people pleaser, if somebody started attacking, I instantly wanted to defend myself, and then now I was the one where I'm like, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have raised my voice, and I shouldn't have, you know, and we're human. We make mistakes, and who I was 10 years ago at 24 years old when I started my company is not who I am 10 years of experience now today yeah so it's it's hard i'm with you on that one too and just really having to sometimes it's better maybe not to say anything that you can gather your thoughts and realize you know what maybe it is best just to let things go and not put my input on things sometimes i've had some tough scenarios where it's people just you know really attacking content to character and Mm -hmm. and that's thing like like you know where you're like you don't know me and i and i've wanted to lash back like oh you want to say these things let me tell you a little bit about your life and how you're masking all your bullshit that i know so you're just coming at me so right. that you can be self-righteous. Mm-hmm. And that's tough for me to let go of. That's the one totally. where I want to go, oh, yeah, let's write out all this scenario here, right. people that are attacking me. Yeah. You know, you yes. want you want to be so judgmental. Look, can, I'm going to judge you right back. And I really have to be like, okay, higher power, is <laughs> this really what you want me to do? Uh-huh. And, Third you know. step, let go, let God, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I have that in my office because I'm like, I have to really sometimes just, it's out of my hands not in my control and that's hard too for me with patience i don't Mm. have a lot of patience if i want something i want it i want it now and so having to work towards thing and be patient like that's i think i struggle with that also 
has parenthood helped with that? Um, it has. Yeah, I feel like it. It has in a sense that I, I really tell myself to be patient with the kids when they're kind of jumping around. Um, you know, my husband, he he's more like the calm one, um, not too much like me. I'm like, give me all the kids. Like I'll have 15 kids at my house and they're just swimming. And I'm like, okay, order a pizza. Like it's a lot where he's like, can we just not, can we just not today? Um, but I've, with the kids, I definitely feel more patient because I look at them, they're so innocent, you know, and they're running around and they drive me crazy and they're screaming and yelling at each other. Um, but with that, I have more patience because I'm dealing with adults where I want to lose my patience more, where I'm like, okay, they're kids. Yeah. But then you're dealing with adults that are making it really hard. And it's like, okay, that's where I really have to just bite the tongue. And, you know, but I think it's also the goals, you know, working towards things and, okay, well, I want that. Why is it going to take so long? Why is this project going to take an entire year, maybe even two years? So that's another work in progress for me, too. Yeah, I've gotten better at that, though. I have, too. Uh, you know, and, God, we've referenced him so much. But, you know, as I was telling you, I've been working with, with um, Mike uh, Diamond. And he really put it out there to me. And this is what I've been confronted with lately that's mm -hmm. been giving me some anxiety when it comes to my goals. Because I was a person, I don't know about you, if I was somewhat good at something, then mm -hmm. I worked at it. Like I was a really right. good baseball player, mm -hmm. was an all-star, and then when I had my growth spurt, switched to basketball and would work hard at that in track and field. But like if something was difficult in school or a different sport, you know, I was like, uh, no. So right. I was really good at having a lofty idea but quitting before I ever got going just to go ahead and shut it down. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of excuses for failure. Mm -hmm. And he put it to me was, you're out of time now. You've shared with me where you want to be, what you want to do. And I, I love you. I'm behind you. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to help. But you have to decide the person that you're going to have to become to achieve that. Right. And it's like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Like, this is all in my corner. Mm -hmm. And I do have these things that I do have to change and I try with my you know and I'm I know you work with people one-on-one -on -one too but when I do to be very transparent like hey this this is a great direction to go understand I too am struggling with it mm -hmm. but it was right. like right wait a minute the person I'll have to become mm -hmm. to get to where I want to go right and what does that look like right and how hard is that mm -hmm. and how long is it going to take right I don't know <laughs> Because I suffer from, I know you were texting me, you get some anxiety about being totally. like, I suffer from anxiety. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is a mutual, a friend of a friend that's coming in and I want to have an awesome conversation. You know, I had like these mm -hmm. anxieties about mm -hmm. it. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't get to decide. Yeah, no, no. We just have to work through and do do our best. You know, yeah. like I left early, but God forbid there was traffic and I would have been late. I would have been freaking <laughs> out. <laughs> I am so sorry. I would have came in. I would have been like, Flustered, you know. Yeah. But luckily, I got here early and felt very calm. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. Well, hopefully I can't my, be late. And then I get anxiety because I worry if my anxiety, because people that tend to be in recovery were very empathetic. I've had it where people have been around me and they're like, "Dude, I I need some space. I'm starting to feel anxious because you're anxious." Like, yeah, I understand. It's a, yeah. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord. It's true. Oh. 
what are areas is anything you want to talk about that's been bothering you or something you want to dig into maybe you haven't been able to with anyone you know i feel like i really touched on a lot of things with this conversation with yeah. you jason and i first just want to thank you you know oh, i've no, done a lot thank you well i thank you for well when you're going to be the next therapy session then i mean i can't call if mike doesn't answer i'm going to call jason <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no but you know this is um it's been really great to be able to sit here and actually fully talk about things that have bothered me in the past that I have never even shared before sure. and things that I'm currently going through that I feel safe enough to speak on. Oh, well, thank you. And yeah. I'm, I'm I, glad that so you thank felt you for that. I totally did. Um, and I, I love sharing my story and inspiring other people. I, I truly, really do. And I, I am an open book when it comes to that. Um, but it's a lot of that too. So I feel like this conversation has been really about you and about me and just regular life stuff and struggles. Yeah. And I feel like that's also really important for people to hear and understand like, oh wow. So I I love that. I love yeah. that I think people are gonna watch this and I feel they're gonna feel it yeah. a bit. And I like I, I really love that we're doing that. Oh, for like, ourselves too. Yes, likewise. This is Thank a great you. way to start a Monday. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> and and I think it's just so important to help people understand, you know, in recovery we'll talk a lot about the isms and that mm -hmm. sober people may not know what that is, but you right. know it's those things lay underneath. I mean, mm -hmm. I have a brain that still will go I'm so frustrated with life all the way around. Um, oh, the cute girl that I bought coffee from today smiled at me. I'll just go back to her and then my life will all of a sudden, you know, I these stupid things or ah, mm -hmm. uh, my buddy hit me up that doesn't know I'm sober. He said, "Come on over and have a beer and I will and no one'll know, you know." And it's like, right. "Whoa, whoa, 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 stupid head." Right. Shut Co down. Yes. You know. Yep. And it I just think we all have these things. We do. We do. And what if we had this conversation seven years ago i'm sure at that time what was stressing me out would have been you know in the hot seat in my mind right. would have been like my business is going to fail it's going to fail it's going to fail it's going to fail like seven years ago that's where my mind was all the time because now i have responsibilities now the company is not only providing for my family it's providing for my employees family and oh no it's slow right now what am i going to do we're going to fail oh my goodness so you know with experience and time, I roll with the slow times and realize it's part of the process with business and any sort of business, I'm gonna be okay, I'm still here, we're all doing all right. So it's, you know, and I'm sure in five years, there'll be something else that's different yeah. and bothering. So yeah. these conversations I feel are important. I encourage people to find somebody that they can speak with or listen to podcasts that you can relate to because it helps. Yeah. And I, I love that the, this is a thing now, you know, because I feel we're able to reach more people um, than before yeah. through these platforms. And I also love this for us too, who work in this field, who are able to communicate with other people that are like-minded and going through the same journey and being able to be so vulnerable and open about personal things. And I think my recovery for that and the tools that I've gained um, through my struggles to be able to sit here in this situation and openly share about personal things that I'm going through. I yeah. love that. Yeah, it's 
it's rewarding at the end of the day and I mm -hmm. value that if you're gonna judge me, mm -hmm. like go ahead, it's all out there. Like right. I've, I've told people that like, yeah, that's not even true. If you want to know the truth, go listen to this. Trust me, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll the, tell you the, the truth. Freaking truth. Right. Uh, well, we're gonna do some random questions. I'm gonna leave you with the, the uh, final thoughts. But if people want to find out more about Bright Future Recovery, the work you're doing, maybe even just connect with you. What's what's the best ways? So if they want to get in connection with us uh, for the facility, uh, www.bfrdetox.com. Um, anybody can text me call me anytime my phone is always on for somebody who has any questions or maybe struggling um, and my number is 831-245-7736 and social media you can find me Sheree Ashley all right we'll put all that in the description too I know that's hard for people writing it down yeah, wait, can, hold on. can I pause that really quick all yeah. right all right random questions brought to you by the knocking doors down audio book yes we got the audio book out Carlos went I want this audio book out so that link is in the podcast description as well people can check that out it was read by God I'm trying to remember the actor but it's really good he did such a good job I'm like, man, I wish I had had that good of a voice to do that. <laughs> uh, you're tatted up. I'm tatted up. Are we done with tattoos anymore? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going more? Of course. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think I'll slow down the pace. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm behind, but it's like, like I was telling you, like, things got tough financially. I can't just, you know. Right. Yeah. Kids I, feel, clothes. That, I, I almost, I definitely want more, but I can't get myself to do that because I know once I make that first appointment, then I'm booking them every single week. And then right. it's like, slow right. down. Right. <laughs> Favorite tattoo? Oof. I love the line. Eventually, I'm going to get a line. Thanks. You know, I would say I have a couple. Uh, this one here, it's like as old and it does not blend in well, but it's a breast cancer awareness ribbon. Um, it runs very deeply in my family. So my mom is coming up on five years remission, oh, wow. which is great. Um, so yeah, this one's pretty strong and the dolphins represent my grandmother. So love that. And lion, I am a Leo. Me too. When was your birthday? Uh, the 15th. Oh, okay. I'm the 6th. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, yeah. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> Same to you. Um, and my brothers are Leos. And when my brother uh, passed away, he he has a lion. My other brother has a lion on his neck. So I feel like this one's really important to me also. That's cool. Yeah. I love it. Any for the kids yet? On my back, I do. I have their names going down the spine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My my youngest asked, her, like, where's the tattoo for me? I'm like, oh. well, I wanted to get your portraits. And then you guys, you know, just kept getting older, older. and cuter. And, you know, I just, you know, I love your faces. I don't know. You know, I could have I a whole that. side from baby to, to, right. to up to 18. I think after that, maybe it gets a little creepy or something. Right. I don't know. I understand. <laughs> yeah. like, I'll wait like, till you guys turn 40 and then I'll get yeah. your picture on me. <laughs> yeah. I understand if it's like your grandma or someone you totally to, but yeah uh last book that you read on purpose and what did you get from it last book that i read on purpose what did i get from it um you know what mike actually mike again um his book a dose, of dose of positivity it's great i love it you know me and my attention span it's funny because i love to write but i don't love to read so I like to, to write and I like to listen, but reading, I'll start drifting off. Um, so I love anything that's uh, quick, one page, get what you need out of it. Mm -hmm. That quick dose is like perfect for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then my friend Erica Spiegelman, I don't know if you're familiar with her, mm -hmm. but she wrote the book Rewired and she just did 101 affirmations 
too, and I love that. So I love any book that's going to have something just to quickly get for the day yeah. versus having to read like a whole chapter. I've tried a million times like on the airplane. It's just not for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I commute a lot, so uh, audiobooks, audiobooks are, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. So I'm with you on that. What about you? Um, boy, last one. I did Jordan Peterson's book, like I was talking about earlier, and then I am actually in the middle of Be Water, um, Shannon Lee's book, Bruce Lee's okay. daughter, and I'm loving it because, and I'm hoping to talk to her. Um, I reached out to her people, so hopefully it'll be like, yeah, she wants to do it because it's really beautiful because she's transparent in it. Like she goes into talking about certain things in relationships. And it's not just, and this is how I was successful. She's like, no, I was so needy in this one, and here's why. And mm-hmm. here, and she'll connect it to childhood things and her sense of abandonment from losing her father. She was like four, and mm-hmm. you know. So for me, I love that kind of stuff that just reminds you, yeah, we're all human. Right. It's what I loved about Mike's book too. Is like, mm-hmm. I'm only human. Right. You know, I think the brilliance of a dose of positivity was here's what works for me, but you're going to have to explore what works for, for you. For you, exactly. So Everybody's go ahead and experiment and yeah. try. And I think that's some of the excitement, too, to maybe share with people in recovery is guess what? You get a whole new form of experimentation. Totally. Like, it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. You want to try fishing? Go fishing. Right. You hated it? Guess what? Okay. You don't have to do it again. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that. And I love that. And I'm big when it comes to recovery of finding what works for you, Mm. you know, and um, I didn't get sober through the 12 steps. Love the 12 steps, but that's just wasn't the journey that I went through to get sober. And um, what I love through our treatment program is we offer different modalities. Mm. And I think that's so important because there's no such thing as a cookie cutter program. Somebody might need a small six bed setting. Some might need to be in a 50 bed facility, you know, Um, And that's what I love about connecting and working with so many different programs out there is maybe it's not a good fit for this client, but oh my gosh, this would be great for this client. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Um, So I'm huge on it. It's figure out what works for you. What is it that you enjoy, you're connecting with that's making sense to yourself? Because it's really hard to learn something if you're not interested in it, you know, and you're not it's not grasping and you're not taking to it. Um, But if it's something where it's like, wow, I like that and I'm curious about it, then that's going to work. Yeah. Well, and I know so many people, I've had it with 12 step people that like, oh, this is, this is, you know, it's like the Mandalorian, this is the way, you know, this is the way. And yeah, for and they do work for me because it really helped me. Like I always believed in a higher power. I just didn't believe there was one that loved me or had a purpose sure. for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that was connected to trauma stuff. Yes. Or yes, I, I'm sorry. My experience with Catholic school was traumatic. Mm-hmm. It sucked between the bullying of the rich kids because I was mm-hmm. not the growth spurt, the awkward hair phase, the, yes. the outgrowing my clothes like every two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, So it made it hard for me to connect with what that higher power is. But like I've tried smart recovery meetings, love it, it's awesome. You know, like I'm one of those people that, yeah, I tend to lean more towards a, you know, Christian faith, but I also go digging and talking with a Buddhist. Right. Or someone that's into stoicism or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. There's so much you can do and pull from different stuff. Like totally. Just And that's what I love. I'm like, what what works what works for you? You know? And I love that the what I love about meetings is that they are 
so accessible mm-hmm. and they're free and they're everywhere. So mm-hmm. you can go on vacation. If you need a meeting, there's a meeting, you know? So it's really important that people get in tuned with that. But before, like you said, it's there are some people where it's like, it was only AA and back then, sure. But now when things change, and people and professionals, uh, TJ Woodward has conscious recovery. I don't know if uh, yeah. you love it. I love it. And for me, that gets me curious. You know, my mind starts really digging into that. Um, but now we're able to offer different stuff for our clients and say, where, where are you feeling most comfortable mm-hmm. for your future and your recovery? Um, so yeah, I, I really love that. Yeah. Uh, your opinion, um, I think the two most vital things that I have shown for long-term recovery is, as well, you know, often we'll say the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connectivity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a belief in a higher source, power, God, whatever it is. Yeah. I, I think when, from my experience, when not just personal, but others that I met, if, if you can maintain something of that, absolutely, then you tend to have a lot more success. Yeah. I agree. And I feel for me being connected in this field um, is really, really good for me. Mm. Like I, I will, and that's where it comes with balance. You know, there's times where I'm traveling, 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 and then I'm home and then I'm home for a couple of months and I start getting the itch. Like I need to go hang with my people. Mm. Like I need to find where's the next conference, where's the next event. I need to book a flight and I need to go and I need to connect because it's very, very important for me. Um, And, you know, my kids, they go to a Christian school and I love that for them. I love that they're learning to connect with God and pray when they're in fear or whatever, you know, gratitude and give their thanks because both are important. We don't want to just pray because we need something. We also want to count our blessings as well. Um, But yeah, so I mean, those, those two things are huge. Yeah. Definitely. And I found for me that, that that really trying to understand what prayer and meditation is mm-hmm. and, and the connection there is, um, I've found that life, it's really connected to gratitude when I don't pray for the will to be in my favor, but mm-hmm. accept whatever will what, yes. be. I love that. You know, I do love and that's that. Hard. That's hard. I think we're both kind of control. That's know? very hard. Like, yeah. wait a minute, why didn't that work out? That yeah. should have worked out, okay? Uh-huh. And not instantly take it personal and like, what did I do wrong? How could I have fixed it? And then maybe it's something else that was out of your control that interfered with this from happening, or the timing wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And trying, I'm trying really hard to remember that as well. If it's not happening right now. Don't push for it. Maybe it's not meant to be, and that's where I get impatient, and I'm really working on that. Okay, really wanted this to happen. It didn't work out. That's okay. Yeah. You know, there's a reason for it. Yeah. And trying to trust that, that's really difficult. Oh, yeah, I'm good at the the, the square peg, the round hole. Get the belt sander. Let's file this down really y- trim. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> I'm good. Um, you could have dinner with any one person, living or not, who would they be and why? John Southworth. Why? Um, He was a mentor of mine at the very beginning, and he was uh, very, still is very well respected uh, in our our field, very knowledgeable man with a big heart. And, you know, he, he was older and I was young, 
but he saw something in me the very first time I met him. And he said, where's your business card? I said, I don't have a business card. Why not? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just here for this intervention training. You know, at the time it was with Ken Seeley and, and John Southworth. Oh, I know they did. Ken. Yeah. yeah, Ken's one of my, Ken and Eric, I absolutely adore both of them. They're dear, dear friends of mine. Um, and I was like, huh, well, that inspired me. Just that one little comment. So I was like, okay, well, the next time I come, I'm going to have, I wish I had that to show, like the old logo that I made. You could totally tell that a young girl made it. I'm like, why didn't my family sit there and say, Shree, no, that, no. Uh, My grandpa, he's so cute. He still wears the sweatshirt with that logo. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, it looks like a teenager made it. Um, But I did. I was so proud. I made business cards and you know, just had my name on it and it had my, I was in school to become an addiction specialist. And so I gave it to him and he winked at me and he was like, you're gonna do big things one day. You're gonna help a lot of people. And he truly believed in me. And he, um, I did all the intervention trainings, worked closely with Ken. I did a lot of free interventions um, in my community before I felt comfortable putting a price on it for my time. Um, But he also taught me he did interventions in his town for free all the way through. He never charged for a local intervention in Idaho. And so I actually do the same thing. So I still, if it's somebody in Hollister who is struggling, I will, no questions asked, go and assist that family. Um, but I would love to sit here today and let him know that. Mm-hmm. I am. This is where that one conversation and all the help that he has given me at the beginning stages of my career, like this is where I am. I'm still providing those free interventions. I have his picture in the third step in my office and I remember that every time because I used to call him freaking out. Oh my goodness, I'm failing, it's not working. And he'd be like, third step, click sometimes. (laughs) No matter what, he he could be in an intervention and he would see and he knew I was calling in a panic mode Uh and he would say third step, hang up the phone. And I don't get to call him for that third step anymore, but I have it in my office and he'd be really, really proud to know like she did it, you know? I'm sure he would. Yeah. So oh, that's why it reminds me of a, of a situation my sponsor, you know, and the, the list is the you know, ten pages of text or whatever it is and the response is pray. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I- Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My my husband uh, has a company and he started it a few years back and you know, I remember the days when it's just getting started and I'm not gonna lie, it's definitely put us in a hard space. You know, sure. relationships are really, really hard and when you now not have one business, you have two businesses and he's going through the trenches of am I gonna fail? Am I gonna fail? And okay, I had a good month, now I had a bad month it's trying to remember where I was and trying to be there for that without getting like, I can't take this, you know? Um, But I tell him the same thing, pray. It's like, I don't wanna pray just because I need something. And I'm like, well, just remember to pray every day. Just try to pray, you know? And it does help, it really does. Yeah. Give it to God and your higher power, however that looks for anybody, but something greater than yourself that you can turn to is very important. Yeah, and I think it's the energy. If we just put good intention out towards others, it just—it's odd how it just comes back mm-hmm. in ways we never expect. Right. And that's just embracing the uncertainty. Totally. Like yeah. That, that's life. That's life. We <laughs> don't know. know, and you have to wake up every day, and you know we can't get yesterday back. So we just have to do our best today, and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And it's like, especially having kids and everything going on in the world, it's like. 
ooh, every day I'm like thankful for yeah. another day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you. All right, last random question. This is the longest random questions because it's <laughs> such a good conversation. Uh, stranded on a deserted island, you can have one movie and one music artist's greatest hits. What are they? Oh my goodness. One movie, if I'm stranded on an island, my gosh I don't know what that would be and I don't know if it's because I just watched it the other day for the 20th time but I love how to lose a guy in 10 days <laughs> and that's the only one that's coming to mind right now and that would be probably the worst movie to watch if you were <laughs> stranded on an island um, does your husband ever go why do you love this movie so much yeah. Marie? <laughs> I just love it I mean I can rehearse it's like a little kid you know when yeah. you can just rehearse the whole movie oh, I, there's something, something yeah. about that movie that I just love and I rehearse it out loud all the time Star Wars that's me for sure really oh yeah yeah I, I'm, I don't know I mean I guess it wouldn't be that bad it's a happy movie at it least is. it has a good ending um, so at least it wouldn't be scary <laughs> um, and what was your other one uh, uh, music artist greatest hits Hmm. I don't know. I'm really loving Morgan Wallen right now. Oh yeah, you country girl. I am. I'm from Hollister. Hollister. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's. I grew up with this really weird dynamic. It's like you know, it's like kind of gangster, kind of country. Yeah. <laughs> like who am I? I don't know. Maybe there's some trauma in that. I'm trying to figure out who the heck I am. Right. Tattoos in the country. Um. Yeah, I probably would have to go with that. Yeah. That's like that's like feel good music for me right now. Yeah, that's funny because we had um, Cesar Garcia on the podcast. This was a couple of years ago, and he was mostly played gangsters because he lived that life. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And he was asking me, like, how do you understand that culture so much? I'm like, dude, I was born in Salinas, California, <laughs> grew up near Watson, oh, Watsonville. Like, gosh, I yes. saw it all, as well as, like, the surfer-skater community and You're, the rural. There's just it's so like, much. And yeah. that's like Hollister. It's like, you can totally hang out with the gangsters or the cowboys, you yeah. know? And that's our reality. It, yeah. it totally is. It's like, you know, 831, what's up? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Three one. Well, what, growing up, <laughs> growing up, we wore the four oh eight for okay. a while. Remember um, that? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That and is tw- hilarious. And the change, like what? We got to put what in front of it? it's no longer four oh eight. You know, back in the day when you had to call somebody's house. Yes, yes. Oh, that's hilarious. Shit. Oh man, that's really funny. Yeah. So definitely a combination of both. So. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts. Uh, anything that you would want to leave, maybe just uh, about your story, someone that's struggling, maybe has a loved one struggling, whatever it is. Well, to those that are struggling, uh, don't give up. You know, I know it can get really discouraging if you've tried numerous times before and you feel that you have failed uh, because sometimes it's just part of the journey and maybe you just have not gained something yet that you wish you would have gained in your prior efforts um, and don't beat yourself up over it. You know, if you're if you're struggling or you relapsed and you had, you know, a long time under your belt and you slipped up, it's okay. It's recognizing that picking up the phone and asking for help is probably the most courageous, hardest thing that one can do. So I right there in itself am proud of you if you can pick up the phone and say, you know what, I need to get back on track. So don't give up. Um, to families, educate yourself. 
learn about, learn what they're going through, learn how you can support them, love them through the process, and take professional advice. Because if it's not a they're struggling, they need help, fix them situation. It's what can we do as a family? How can I be supportive? And how can I understand the process? Because it is a very long journey ahead. And we can just pray for everybody who is still suffering and those who have lost their life because this shit's real. And it's scary. And it is killing people every single day. And all we're trying to do here is make a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sheree Ashley, thank you. Thank you, Jason. This well, has been great. You're well, awesome. I really you. appreciate you. Likewise. Likewise. Well, our mutual friend said it would be. Yeah, he did. He, 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 <laughs> he knows called, us well. He it. did call it. So thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah. On that note, keep knocking doors down. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast featuring celebrities, experts, and everyday people who have overcome adversities, including addiction, mental health, and trauma to live purposeful lives, and that's what Knocking Doors Down is all about.